We're a unique podcast for families of faith, produced by parents and pastors who understand and appreciate how hard it is to maintain your faith in a hostile culture. We're here to encourage and support you in the most vital role of all, parenting. If you're feeling overwhelmed and afraid, it's okay. You're not alone. Brilliantly Brave is hosted by two honest and engaging dads with nine kids between them. A road tripper, author, and pastor, Father Brad Mathias, and iShine founder, solo parenting expert, and all-around foodie, Mr. Robert Beeson. Join us each week as we explore and engage with some of the most intriguing, inspiring, outrageous, and awesome parents in the world. This is Brilliantly Brave. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. I'm your host, Pastor Brad Mathias, uh, joined here by my sidekick, Mr. Robert Beeson. How's it going? Good to be here. We're coming to you from Franklin, Tennessee, and we hope that this podcast finds you encouraged and hopeful, uh, despite whatever might be going on in the world around you. Today's guest is a board-certified psychiatrist. He's an author and a sought-after medical healthcare consultant. He's from Dallas, Texas. His name is Dr. David Henderson, MD, and he's written a book specifically for those who have a teenager. Uh, Robert, you've got some teenagers. I can definitely relate to that. I've got six kids, and um, most of them are in the teenage years, so I'm excited about this interview. Right, and I have three uh, that are in college, and I'm still excited about this interview because I got a chance to kind of read the the media brief from his publicist. But here's the the background and the context, and then we'll let uh, Dr. Henderson talk to us. But the bottom line is that the... The adolescent years can be incredibly difficult for parents to navigate, and uh, he's written a book really tying together the idea of zombies and teenagers. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, who who wouldn't want to read that? Uh, It's just, uh, you know, it's a very creative process. He's sort of tagging along with the Walking Dead phenomenon that's on cable TV, and if you've got a teenager... You're very aware of it. Yeah, you're aware of that. So this book has more than just a a metaphor. There's some literal connection here. The title of the book is, Is There a Teenage Zombie Lurking in Your Life? So, Dr. Henderson, uh, thank you for joining Brilliantly Brave, and, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, we want to dive right in. We know you've got uh, limited time and, and you've got a busy practice there in Dallas. Tell us, what, what made you write this book? Well, it was interesting. I, I was working with a lot of adolescents and their families in my private practice here in Dallas. And one of the themes that kept coming up um, was this issue of teenagers feeling dead on the inside. Mm. And these are teenagers with, you know, relatively, uh, you know, healthy families, uh, a lot of support, good school systems, um, a lot of resources available to them that most of the rest of the world don't have. And yet this depression, this anxiety, a lot of these mental health issues were still permeating these young people's lives. And when they would sit in my office and describe this state of deadness, uh, and then the parents would come in and talk about the fears that they had of their child stagnating in life and being unable to successfully launch from the family, getting sort of stuck in this dead state. Uh, and again, literally, a lot of parents used the word zombie. My, my child's like a zombie. Huh. 
And it, it was interesting to me because it was around the time when the Walking Dead series first started. And the, I think there's about seven or eight series now, uh, uh, episodes or, or um, year-long programs that they've had on this show. And I'm a firm believer in what Carl Jung said when he described this collective unconscious. You know, when mm. we see these themes and these patterns in the media and in pop culture, uh, if, if something catches fire and spreads throughout our culture, it's usually because individuals are struggling with the same themes, the same narratives. And so the parallel between the adolescent as a zombie and all the fears that parents experience, it's literally like watching a zombie movie playing out before you. And hence the theme of the book, of the book my teenage zombie resurrecting the undead adolescent in your home. Wow. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm, as you're sort of speaking those words and thinking about it, uh, as a pastor and working with Robert, I know we can attest that when you start working with teens or tweens even, uh, the issues that come up are the same ones the parents are dealing with. Yeah, it's very interesting. The whole identity issue and just, well, you know, why am I here? It's just, it seems like everyone's just got this very dull, ex uh, not existence, but very dull um, coating over everything. It just feels like like you're saying that they're dead or that they don't have any kind of spark. And, and it's, it's interesting to me in a culture which is so saturated with stimulation that we have kids and parents that experience the sense of kind of being dulled or or feeling dead inside and, and what how, how what is it that you've uncovered that like what's what's kind of the root cause of, of this well one I think is that um, the transition from childhood into adolescence and quite frankly uh, from adulthood into sort of the, the midlife crisis years where a lot of adults and parents tend to start asking questions about who am I, why am I here, what is my purpose. Uh, these are some real specific checkpoints in life where those questions are being asked. For the adolescent, the question is, who am I? Uh, who am I becoming? What do I want to do with the rest of my life? Uh, who do I want to spend the rest of my life with? And so these issues of identity and relationships start to uh, develop at this particular stage. And there's a lot of fear associated with discovering mm. oneself. And then parents, too, as you said, are sort of paralleling their teens typically at this time where they're, they're not asking, who am I going to be? They're asking, who have I been for all of these years? Hmm. And they're not necessarily asking, what am I going to do with my life? They're asking, what, I've, what have I been doing with my life for all of these years? And so the, the fears parallel one another. Specifically for adolescents, I think where adolescents tend to stagnate is they fail to develop mm. a, he a healthy sense of self. And they fail to understand themselves emotionally, mentally, psychologically. And in addition to that, they can't connect, they can't relate to others and form the healthy relationships that they need to successfully launch themselves out into society. And, and many times because of these mutual fears that are playing out between adolescent and parent, uh, the, the two sort of cling to one another in this desperate attempt to save each other 
and it makes it very difficult to create the very important separation between parent and child. I think all parents would acknowledge that their desire is for their children to launch out into the world and be successful. What a lot of parents don't realize is how their own emotions can negatively impact or, or withhold their children from being able to successfully do that. And so the book really explores biologically, psychologically, and even spiritually some of the challenges that teens are wrestling with. And it, the attempt is to give parents some practical tools and tips on how to release their child and do so successfully so that they can sort of either bypass this zombie phase or if they do have a teen that is in the midst of it, they can pull them out of it. I use the term resurrect them hmm. from the undead state that they're in. Yeah, that's that's really uh, familiar, I think, to people uh, who work around the family at all uh, in ministry or church ministry or even uh, counseling, that this codependency stuff really starts to stick together and, and grow um, in these early adolescent years. I, I'm curious, Doc, um, you ever see the movie Failure to Launch? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I, with... Uh, trying to remember matthew mcconaughey is it matthew mcconaughey who's the main actor in that I'm, it I'm is sure. uh it is matthew mcconaughey and it's a chick flick and so it's one of those my wife made me watch um <laughs> but i liked it and i like terry bradshaw's the dad it's just hilarious it's a really funny thing but it's really kind of digging into this idea uh that there has to be a separation that occurs at specific point in the parent-child relationship how how would you advise a parent today who knows this might be starting to happen in their family or in their, their relational dynamic? What do they do? Well, I think the important thing and what I sort of harp on with my clients in the appointments that I have is the importance of self-awareness. Uh, the, the key to, to successfully navigating stressful situations in life is to understand our thoughts understand the emotions that are generated as a result of those thoughts and how those two things are impacting our decisions on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, let's face it, we all want the best for our kids. And parents will often tell me when they come to an appointment, I just want my son or daughter to be happy. And I actually confront them on that statement because it's not true. Yes, you want your son or daughter to be happy and you want your son or daughter to be successful, but you also want to be happy. And until you're ready to acknowledge that part of your happiness comes as a result of seeing your children succeed and doing well, if you're not able to acknowledge that you have wants and needs and expectations of your son or daughter that maybe you have to evaluate, uh, you're going to be blind to the pitfalls and the, the, the stressors and things that arise when your teen struggles. You know, I used to uh, look at the parent on the sideline of a sporting event who'd be screaming and yelling at their son or daughter, you know, come on, you know, getting on to them about, you know, their performance on the field. And I always thought to myself, you know, I never want to be that parent. I never want to be the parent that lives vicariously <laughs> yeah. through the children. And yet, what I've come to realize and having children of my own now and having counseled and you know hundreds of people is that we can't escape 
living vicariously through our kids. Hmm. We will live vicariously through them because they are extensions of us. So their successes are our successes and their failures are our failures. And we can't, we can't avoid that. What's more important is to, to be able to consciously acknowledge what those expectations are and release our kids from the burden of having to do everything right, having to do everything uh, right. Yeah, that's that. Allowing them to fail and recognizing that failure is not the opposite of success, it is a part of success. And if we want to successfully launch our children, we have to face the pain of seeing them stumble, seeing them fall, seeing them fail, and recognizing that's gonna hurt us too. And that's part of the process of that transition. Wow. You, uh, you are a psychiatrist for sure. <laughs> um, you know, as I'm sitting there listening, you know, I'm writing little notes here because I have three kids in college and I'm thinking, Oh wow, that that's helpful. That uh, Robert, I know you were thinking some things too. You Absolutely. And I, I have a question like being self-aware of our, um, kind of our connection to our kids and that they are an extension of us, uh, whether we want to admit it or not, how, what are some of the, I mean, evaluation is obviously the beginning, the starting point, but separating from that, what are some of the steps that, that you suggest the parents can take to kind of have a successful disconnection of the unhealthy bonds and, and maybe um, fortifying the things that we, we can be measuring? What are some of the things that you suggest to, to lay people like me? I'm sitting here talking to two doctors. Brad is a doctor as well. You're a doctor. So I'm, I'm a lay guy. I'm just, I'm just a, I'm, I'm just a record executive guy. And so I'm trying to process this. So I, I'm coming to you and I'm saying, look, I feel like exact everything that you just said without going over it again, w the first step is awareness that I am connected probably. The second step, what are some of the steps to start disconnecting from this burden that I'm laying on my kids to please me? Sure. And I, I, I very much, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a simple, simplistic thinker in some respects that I like to hone things down to their most elemental, basic components. Perfect. And for me, it, it comes down to one issue, and that is the issue of motivation. Hmm. And again, this, this applies to teenagers. A lot of parents want to know and, and, and will tell me often, my, my son or daughter is so unmotivated again, a faulty statement. The truth is, is that if we are living, breathing humans, then we are inherently motivated. The, 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 the part of our existence, the part of what brings us life is the, the fact that we are motivated in any given moment in time for everything that we do. Now the question becomes, what is that motivation? And this, this is important to identify for our teens who are sitting hours upon end watching uh, Netflix or playing video games. What's right. driving them? What's motivating them to do that? And the same is true for us as parents when we are disciplining our kids or creating boundaries or uh, establishing that launched you know, uh, experience for them. We, we have to understand our motivations as well. And to, to make it very simplistic, at any given moment in time, we are only motivated by two things, the pursuit of a reward or the avoidance of pain. Hmm. And so for a parent, when dealing with their teenager, 
in any situation when they're getting ready to make a choice or a decision on how to engage their son or daughter, they need to be asking themselves that question. In this moment, what is the choice that I'm making and how is my motivation being impacted by my desire for reward or my desire to avoid pain or maybe a combination of both? Um, and so, you know, I want my son or daughter to be successful. I want them to have a happy marriage. Why is that? Well, there's a number of facets, but one might be because of the status that it provides me in my community. If I have successful kids, then the people in my church or in my place of business or in my social circumstances will look at me and they will say, wow, that guy has it all together. And so my motivation then is one of validation, the desire to be seen as significant, successful, important, uh, an influential person, and that gives me a sense of pleasure identity that, that I want to take with me. Um, and, and it may also be that I don't want people to criticize me, and so I'm, I'm avoiding pain by desperately working to create this son or daughter that looks great on the outside. If you can identify what that, um, what that motivation is, I think you're going to be more able to be conscious and deliberate about the choices that you make. Because let's face it, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be significant. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be influential or to be um, uh, seen and validated by the people around us. But we have to recognize that what's the ultimate source of that validation? Where does that really come? And what's going to be the most sustainable form of validation? And when parents recognize that when they open up about the struggles that they've had with their teenagers in their community, in their church, wherever it may be, that by actually admitting flaws, admitting failures, they're more relatable to the people in their life. Mm -hmm. And actually that sense of significance, that sense of importance and validation and influence is not hindered, it's enhanced by that relatability. That's just an example of where, you know, reflecting on your motivation and recognizing that maybe the way you're trying to fulfill the desire for pleasure or pain, it, it doesn't have to be seen in that way or lived out in that way. There may be alternatives to how you receive some of those rewards and mitigate some of your pain. I hope that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, Robert, you can get up off the couch now. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, my session is over. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, you know, I'm sitting here listening to that and it, it, you know, these are probably ideas that bounce around in every parent's head. You know, I think we all grasp just a moment of truth from, from time to time. Maybe it's after our first cup of coffee in the morning and everything makes sense. But you just tied together a couple of really significant truths for the average parent uh, to begin to unravel the emotional knot that they are. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to just sort of uh, parse that out for us because what what you've done is you've allowed us to begin to reflect then on what drives our behavior and then the fact that our kids are, are mimicking us and so that's driving their behavior um, and it it sort of stops the reverb it kind of slows down the uh, repercussions of our of our mm. experiences as parents um, how do you 
how does faith or spirituality fit into the mix of that? How does that work out? Well, it all relates back to our worldview and how we see our purpose in life playing out. And ultimately, that question of identity, what does give me significance and value in life? And a lot of parents uh, place a lot of stock in the success or failure of their kids. And I think from a spiritual standpoint, that is not uh, the end game. That is not the the ultimate uh, means by which we find value and significance. Mm. I believe that God is a God of redemption. I could not do what I do as a psychiatrist meeting with people struggling with very painful circumstances in their life. I just couldn't do it if I didn't believe that God has the power and the ability to redeem any situation. And hmm. what I mean by that word redemption is the transformation of something ugly, broken, uh, painful into something beautiful, lasting, sustaining, and empowering. And I think the power of the gospel, the power of God's message to humanity is I am all powerful and I have the ability to make all things new. And so when parents are struggling with their teenagers and they're giving up hope, and I know there's a lot of people struggling with, with pain and teenagers who uh, are, are just suffering deeply for a number of different reasons. But if you can hold on to that hope and recognize that this painful circumstance in your life may be transforming you for the very mission or purpose that God has for you to do and has for your teenager to do, man, it totally changes the game. And it makes it so powerful to recognize that, man, this present suffering, this present difficulty that I'm facing uh, in my family is going to produce something amazing, not just in my life, but in the lives of all of those around me, and honestly, in the lives of generations to come, that mm. is empowering. And I think yeah. that's the important message of uh, the gospel, and that's the important message of God's truth to us, is that redemption is always available, no matter what the circumstances. And let's let's remember, you know, Rick Warren, who is the, the, the well-known pastor uh, that wrote The Purpose Driven Life. Some people may not realize this, but his son died as a result of mental illness. Yeah. His son was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And even in that tragic situation, the Warrens have taken that and they have created a summit through their church that focuses on mental health awareness. And they have ministered to thousands and thousands of people who are going through or who have gone through similar things. Mm. And that is the power of redemption to be able to take a tragic situation like that and transform it. And I think that that holds true for any parent and any adolescent in the midst of pain. I couldn't agree more. That's fantastic. I mean, it really is about embracing our brokenness and, and seeing that as a pathway um, rather than a destination. Um, powerful words. Yeah, they are. And, you know, um, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to, to just sort of scratch the surface on this. I know your book goes into much more detail 
I'm sure there's a lot of information uh, out there that you could direct our audience towards. How would a, a listener of this podcast get a hold of you? There's, there's a number of different ways. They can go to my personal website, which is drdavidhenderson.com. That's drdavidhenderson.com. Or they can go to my practice website, which is fourstonesgroup.com. So either one of those websites, and you can shoot me an email. Love to dialogue with uh, folks that have had a chance to look through the book and maybe have some questions about it. Uh, I'm here. I'm available uh, as much as is possible. So yeah, drdavidhenderson.com or fourstonesgroup.com. Wow. Thank you very much for taking the time to share with us and our audience here at, at Brilliantly Brave. I just want to thank you again for your expertise and for your insight and really your hope that uh, that the painful things we're working through as families, that the, the challenges that come upon every parent, uh, God has the ability to use for good and uh, that they're worth struggling through. And I think that message and that hope resonates uh, definitely resonates with me as a dad. Uh, Robert's Absolutely. shaking his head up and down. I know people driving right now listening to this podcast are, are you know, thankful for the insight that you just shared with us. And I encourage you to really go and, and find uh, these websites and, and discover for yourself uh, what the doctor has been talking to us about today. We thank you for your time and we wish you every blessing in Christ Jesus. Thanks. Parents, remember, even if you may not feel brilliant or brave, you are. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 13. This podcast is a service of iShine Ministries and the Tween Gospel Alliance. All rights reserved. Donations to Brilliantly Brave are tax-deductible at iShineLive.com. Review and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, or on our webpage. And read our blog and connect with us at WordPress at BrilliantlyBrave.com. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Brilliantly Brave. What our kids believe is going to define them for a lifetime. According to George Barna, by the age of 13, what a kid believes is what he'll die believe. For parents and for pastors, that's a frightening experience, especially if you've got an 11 or 12 year old. At the iShine Ministries headquarters, this became a huge priority in the last year. We partnered with the Tween Gospel Alliance to bring you a brand new resource known as the Shock and Awe Study Guide. And I'm here with one of the co-founders of this entire program, Robert Beeson. Can you tell us what is the Shock and Awe Study Guide? It is awesome. More than that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> The Shock and Awe Study Guide is a super cool thing that either a parent can do with their kid or a youth pastor can do with their students or a children's pastor can do with their students. And here's the cool thing about it. It is apologetics for kids. Wow. So it's the really huge evidence and thoughts of apologetics wrapped in a way that is really tangible and simple for kids to understand, answering four primary questions. And they are, what if there's a God? What if the Bible is true? What if Jesus is who he said he was? And what if I'm part of that plan? 
And we believe if you can answer those four questions and you are drawn through evidence proving those four questions, that really it's going gonna, it's gonna to establish a pretty unshakable foundation of faith. That sounds very helpful, especially if you're a parent or pastor and you're concerned about the condition of your child's faith, what they believe, what the voices of culture are telling them. If that's you and you're interested, go to ishinelive.com and check out in our web store, the Shock and Awe Study Guide. It has a digital cloud video base. So it's four studies in a small paperback volume for $9. And it has four videos that go with four studies. It can be done in a weekend. It can be done over a month or it can be done bi-monthly, however you need it. It is a fantastic resource that I have used as a pastor in my own home church. And I have been impressed. So check it out. Check it out.